Welcome to SC Featured. I'm Jen Latta, a diehard Cubs fan. A child of the 80s and 90s, born in Northern Illinois, I always have been. My favorite player growing up was Andre Dawson, the Hawk, MVP back in his day. I loved the story of Dallas Green and the blank check and how Andre didn't want to play on the AstroTurf in Montreal anymore and was intrigued by the grass at Wrigley Field. I still get goosebumps every time I hear Maxwell Jump by Van Halen, the song that was used on the WGN broadcasts when I was a kid. It reminds me of summer. It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of the Cubs. And the best thing about being a Cubs fan is, of course, that it is often passed down from generation to generation. Of course, after 108 years, the Cubs did finally end that championship drought. And for many, many fans, seeing the World Series banner being raised at Wrigley Field and their beloved Cubbies finally getting that bling, well, that's a memory they'll cherish for a lifetime. To understand what this really means for those fans, we sent reporter Scoop Jackson and producer Christine Newby to the streets of Chicago. It's 8 in the morning. We're on this 36-hour journey in Cubville trying to find the most diehard, truest Cub fan. Right now, I'm at Lou Mitchell's, the legendary breakfast spot in Chicago that's basically the center of the city. As I walk up here, I see my producer, Christine Newby, and she says, scoop their security inside and cameras all the way outside. So I'm trying to figure what's going on. Come to find out the governor of Illinois, Bruce Rana, is about to come to Lou Mitchell's too. Apparently, it's everybody's spot. But I'm tripping because the one day we decide to come here is the exact same time the governor's going to be here. And I already know he's a Cub fan because I saw him at the parade. He blessed him. You know, when I was born, we lived near Wrigley Field. We, we lived at Aldine and Clark, just a few blocks south of Wrigley. And we lived, you know, all Cubs fans everywhere. And uh, my, my family, big Cubs fans, and just being here in, around Chicago for my entire life, having the Cubs come close so many times, especially 1969. I was 13 years old in 1969. I was emotionally scarred. I, could, I couldn't even watch the Cubs for a couple years there. I was, like, so devastated. But now now it's like a weight's been lifted off our shoulders, and it's just, it's just such a great feeling. It's phenomenal. So you're the governor here, but <laughs> what, what was your biggest dream? Did you think, what's the biggest dream to ever come to, becoming governor or actually being, on, being a Cubs fan? And being in that moment. Well, how, how, how awesome does life get? So it's a privilege to improve the future for 13 million people in the state of Illinois. I'm a volunteer. I do it because I love Illinois. And then, right in my very beginning of my first term, the Cubs win the world championship. I mean, this is like Nirvana. This doesn't get any better than this. You can actually take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually take credit for it. I still in Lou Mitchell's. Just got to talking to the governor. Found you, Dan Yellow, Daha Cubs fan manager here. Correct. Okay, so tell us the story about the limits to your diehard. Right? No, no, the, the, the limits to your diehardness since we're on this search for the most diehard, truest Cubs fan. Well, we were trying to get pregnant for four years and not having a good go about it. So we bought a bunch of tickets for the games last year, and I said, you know, let's take a break and just go to Cubs games, go to concerts, have a good time. Right. And I said, we will get pregnant when the Cubs go to the World Series. And we found out in June we were pregnant. I had to leave the room the last game because my husband was freaking out, and I thought I was going to go into early labor. So I had to go downstairs and just listen and in silence. And then I heard the screaming, and I knew that we had won. 
Audrey Colon is a waitress at Lou Mitchell's. Now, I have uh, a 29-year-old daughter, 26-year-old son. They're nuts. They are as true as a baseball person could be. When it comes to the Cubs, that is their love, is the Cubs. My son has been on the Cubs waiting list for 10 years for season tickets. And when he first started out, he was at 100,000. They emailed him this year, he dropped to under 10,000. Okay. So he might still be waiting a little <laughs> while. They made a pack years ago that they were gonna try to visit the Cubs at different stadiums every year. So this year they were already going, they got their tickets for Fenway, for Cincinnati, Detroit, and St. Louis. They went to Milwaukee last Friday. So they follow them, they go everywhere. So we're gonna take your lead and see if we can track down your son. You think that's possible? I think it's possible. Okay, so he's right down the street. He's at Jackie's at the federal, federal building today. In a cab on the way to the federal building. The Dirkshire Federal Building, as we call it in Chicago. To see if Audrey's son can trump Daniela's story. <laughs> Charles is a security guard and was able to step aside from working for a few minutes. He's 26 and estimates he spent $10,000 on the Cub so far in his lifetime. Matthew? Charles? Hi, Charles. Yeah. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Scoop, Charles. Nice to meet you, man. Your mom said you have drawers in your house like... Cubs gear, like oh, the yeah. whole yeah, yeah. At least 30 shirts. At least. How did you get to this place then, man? What made you fall so deep and in love, you know? My first time walking into Wrigley Field, I walk up the steps. Now we had, I believe it was 123, like row seven, right behind the visitor's dugout. Walk up the steps, I see the field, fell in love instantly. Magical. Magical. It was a sea of blue. Everyone had blue shirts on. The stadium was packed, loud, crazy. I was like, this is baseball. That's the day I became a Cub fan. Okay. <laughs> you going to be there um, with the rings? You going to be there? Of course. Okay, all right. Oh, that, I already right. got the seats. All right, my well, man, we're going to look for you on Wednesday then. Okay. Cool. Thank you, y'all. Appreciate Thanks, it, man. Thank you. Go back to work. Don't get in trouble, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Five minutes to 11, walking down State Street, just left the federal building, on the way to go see Mr. Dave Kaplan, jump on his show, help us with the search and trying to find the truest Cub fan. Hi, I'm Danny. Christine. Nice, nice to meet, to meet you. you. Come on in, come on in. Instead, he said, I agree with what he said. If you live in Chicago or anywhere near Chicago and listen to sports radio, then you know ESPN has two of the biggest Cubs fans working for the station, Dave Kaplan and Mike Silverman. Now, Cap has a show called Kaplan Company. Sylvie has a show called Waddle and Sylvie. I asked producer Randy Merkin between the two who he felt was the biggest Cubs fan. Randy couldn't decide. So I reached out to both, and before I even got a response from Sylvie, Cap said he was the man, that it wasn't even close. I'm a, I'm a, like a lunatic Cub fan. So right. in 1997, they started 0-6. And, and I had gone to spring training for the old station I worked for down the Dow, WGN. I go to spring training. I'm out with Bob Collins. He's like, okay, you've been out there a few days. What do you think? And I said, we suck. <laughs> it's going to be a bad year. And they start out 0-6. They haven't played a home game. They come home. I take the keys to the fan van. I drive it to Wrigley, and I park it in the McDonald's parking lot. And I said, I'm living in this damn van until they win a game. Fully thinking, 
home openers tomorrow. They'll win within a day or two. It's a cool little publicity stunt. They started 0-14. <laughs> I'm still living in that van a week later. <laughs> you had hair back then, right? I had a full head of hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> and it was unbelievable. But they could be the worst team, and I'll still be watching on September 18th, even if they're 400 games out, because that's my team. Right. So the one team that courses through my veins. Two o'clock, just leaving. ESPN Radio, doing with Cap. Getting the lead on the story. And one of my partners, Lawrence, told me I needed to, and like he put an emphasis on this, needed to talk to his friend Jay Zawaski, whose six-year-old daughter got into a fight because she was teased for being a Cubs fan. I'm like, that's the type of story we need to chase down. So we're tracking that down right now. My wife is a diehard fan. Um, our daughter is now a diehard fan. My wife's mother is a fan, and my 95-year-old grandmother uh, my wife's grandmother is the biggest Cubs fan I know on the planet. And she was the first person we called when the Cubs won. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in my living room with my wife, and the Cubs won, and we called her, and she said, uh, I get choked up talking about it. She said, I feel like I can fly. You know, and to hear someone who's been 95 years, you know, on this earth, never seeing the team she loves win a World Series. Just to, I heard it through the phone. My wife was talking to her, and I heard her say it. That was sort of the moment, and to see her see it in good health and happy spirits, uh, man, that was just, that was yeah, the cherry on top. Tell me about the fight, though. I need to hear about the fight. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah, she, uh, the first day of school, she wore her Chris Bryant Cubs jersey to school, and there was a boy that was a White Sox fan that um, made fun of her for it, and he spilled water on her drawing of Chris Bryant. Um, and, you know, there was a, we talked to the teacher, and I said, which little boy was that? <laughs> I want to know who he was, just so I could talk to him. You know, she wouldn't tell me, though. Of course uh, But, you know, she came home very teary, and I said, look, this is part of being a Cub fan. It's tough. You know, you got you to gotta take these shots. You got to learn how to deal. This is what it's all about. You've got to suffer with the Cubs. I'm about to call Kathy, Mary's daughter, and try to learn more about Mary as much as I can as a 95-year-old Cub fan. I want to ask Kathy about the Cubs winning the World Series and what it meant to Mary. To her, that's it. Her life is complete. That's all she ever wanted, you know? Like, so there were tears. There was, you know, she was drinking beer, which is, makes us crack up because she <laughs> doesn't drink much, but she, she was, you know, celebrating and crying, and her life is complete. You know, there's lots of reasons that we've remained Cub fans, but mostly Mary. My mom, when she was a young girl, she tried out for the Great American Baseball League, the women's thing, you know, a league of their own? Yes. That, And she actually was chosen to be on that team. Um, but my grandmother would not let her join the team because they were traveling on buses, and my grandmother from Czechoslovakia said that's not ladylike, and no daughter of mine is going to travel on a baseball team with a, on a bus. So we're going to call on this side and try to talk to Mary, the 95-year-old Cubs fan whose mother, Mary, same name, introduced her to the Cubs when she was a kid. Hello? Hello, Mary? Yes. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Scoop Jackson calling I'm from ESPN. 
Yeah, I, I talked to your um, grandson-in-law, Jay, yeah. who, who was telling the stories about you being his favorite 95-year-old Cubs fan. Yeah, that's right. He's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Jay said that it, it felt like you could fly when, you, when, you, when the Cubs finally won. Oh, what a feeling. It was wonderful. It was the best of the best, you might say. It was, it was, you can't compare when they win the World Series. It was, it was a very, 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 uh, how should I say that? It was very moving. What made you stay a fan for all of those years, though? I can't explain it. It's just, it's awesome to hear them win. So see them win, and uh, it's unbelievable. I've watched them with my mother when she, well, well, it was many years ago with my mother. She just adored the, the Cubs. I heard you used to play baseball. Yes, I, I, was, uh, I was interviewed with a man to play baseball, and my mother told me I wouldn't be able to play with it, but it's not a girl's, girl's game to play. She wouldn't let me go play the baseball with the other women. But you said, I heard you tried out at Wrigley Field. Yeah, well, that was tried years and years ago. So right now we're going to try to catch one of my colleagues, Wayne Dreyas. He's going to meet us right across the street from Harry Carey's. The story you wrote to express how deep your love for the Cubs was where you actually put off heart surgery until it was over so in the most professional way I possibly can I'll ask you this are you out of your mind (laughs) Uh, that was a very professional way to ask I appreciate that (laughs) and you're not going to believe me but like I was talking about with a friend of mine last night It, it wasn't that crazy of a decision for me because this was a team that I had followed since I was a little kid and this group of guys was a group that I believed could do this. And so, you know, when I got the phone call that, you know, I needed to have surgery sooner rather than later, and I looked at the calendar, and, you know, the playoffs were getting ready to ramp up, and it was like, I'm going to wait. And, and, I, and I asked the doctors, and, you know, it, it wasn't, if, if they would have told me, look, if you're not here tomorrow, you're not going to be here two days from now. You're not going to see him win at all, right? I would have been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was a situation where, uh, it was a somewhat safe, calculated risk. And, and it's funny, like, if you, think, if you would think anybody would be upset, you'd think it'd be my wife, right? I got two little girls. Totally got it. She's like, absolutely. She's like, of course you're going to wait. And so, uh, so I called the nurse, and I said, look, I go, you know, Monday, November 7th. And this is, this is, this is like before the playoffs even started. I looked at the calendar of when would game seven possibly be. And that next Monday afterwards, I said, you know, I'll be there that day. And she's like, awesome. That, that's what we'll do it. Every time the Cubs won and moved on and, 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 and finished a series, got closer to the World Series and closer to winning the World Series, on one hand, man, it was a dream come true for me. Right. On the other hand, that was one day closer to this pretty damn serious surgery I had to go through. The beauty in doing what we're doing is trying to find stories is catching leads from other people who say, hey, if you think I'm crazy, there's another level to this, and you got one in Anna, right? Yeah, it's hard to believe, right? The guy who uh, put off open heart surgery as somebody he thinks is a crazier Cub fan, but um, but yes, Anna is somebody that I met uh, about 
2008, I did a story about uh, Cubs fans going back to 1908. I, I profiled one fan from every decade uh, to kind of look at the evolution of Cub fans. And she was somebody we found um, it was 17 then. She was in high school and told these stories of uh, getting in trouble for bringing radios to school and sneaking out of school to listen to games and just like crazy fan. And now that she's uh, quote unquote a, a fully grown adult and has a mortgage and like a life, um, she's every bit as insane of a Cub fan. All right, it is six o'clock and we are now headed further north to go get another crazy fan thanks to a lead given to us by Wayne Dreyas. We're going to check out Anna. Seriously, for somebody like Wayne to really call you out as being like a level above him, what is it? How deep does your passion for this team really go? Um, Deep enough that I almost lost my job, and I like my job, and I like the people I work with. But I was living in Minneapolis in 2015. So I came back for the wild card, and uh, it was amazing. Just came back to Wrigleyville, because I was like, need to be with my people. I asked my manager. I was like, hey, sorry, I know it's last minute, but we're playing in the wild card. He's like, that's so cool. You're such a big fan. I was like, yeah, he's into it. So I went. And then, obviously, they kept winning, right. so I had to keep going, and he didn't really... He was on board for like the first two more games, but then after that, he likes, he's like, hey, let's go get coffee. We need to talk. He pulls me out of the office. And he's like, do you like your career? Blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I love it. And then he's like, okay, well, you, I mean, you got to get it together. Like, people start to talk. You just can't. And I was like, all right, um, next topic point. I have tickets to the game tonight, so I can go, right? And he's like, uh. he's like, she doesn't get it. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you do you. You're an adult. And I was like, that's a yes. And then I went, but not thrilled, not happy. And I got called in after they lost by the office manager. I'm putting my bag down. I thought I was employee of the year. I was like, I'm catching the red eye back. Like, I didn't even sleep tonight, but I'm coming into work. And so I thought I was doing great. I was like flying out pretty late, but I had to be there for pregame. And you got to, so I'd leave at noon. But I thought I was doing great. I put my bag down. She calls me in, and I, and she's like, can you close the door? I'm like, oh, huh? yeah, that's weird. Close the door. And she's like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, whoo, back to reality. <laughs> like, and in that moment, it was like, whoa, October is over almost. And I was never in Minneapolis where I work. So I was like, okay, the need to strategize. Like, I'm a planner. So I left that office, and I was like, well, obviously need to move to Chicago. So got to get those pieces in place. So I did. But then I was like, this is really feeding the addiction. Like, it's like an alcoholic just having like booze to, like everywhere. I was about to say, you refer to it as addiction. Do you feel it as an addiction? Are you, are you owning that? I'm owning that, yes. I like it. Yeah, because it's, you got to. That's what it is. You call it what yeah, it is. Right, right, right. Yeah. Say it how it is. Don't deny it. I went through, like, phases where I thought, like, oh, just didn't... Well, we're not going to get into my love life, but it's been <laughs> rocky. And, like, I always ask, oh, have you seen Fever Pitch? <laughs> and current guy, love him. He's a real good one. 
but I don't want to blow it with like once he it real like right now he's in the stage and I've had it where they're like oh I think it's so cute you're like you re- you really like the cup and I'm like yeah yeah that's yeah you can go. <laughs> But he doesn't know. You yet. haven't gone full blast. You haven't. You haven't really. You haven't done that yet. No, you're playing it smart. You're playing it smart. Trying, trying. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I like this relationship thing. I like this job thing. So I should try to keep those. And the one thing that could come in between is probably this, the Cubs thing. <laughs> I think Wayne's right. <laughs> no. I think Wayne is right. Yeah. It is eight o'clock, twelve hours in. Just got through interviewing Anna. Anna, Anna is just Anna, special. I, I don't know if we're ever gonna find a Cub fan that I can't even find the words to go. But if she calls herself an addict, then she's an addict. Nobody's gonna be addicted to the Cubs as she is. Been doing this all day. I think we ate lunch maybe around one o'clock. I, I can't remember, but we're hungry. And the producer extraordinaire, Christina, has not had deep dish pizza. It's uncub-like to come to Chicago and not have deep dish pizza. We got to do this. Welcome back to SE Feature Podcast. I am Scoop Jackson. 10 o'clock in the morning, 26 hours deep into our SC Feature Podcast. Trying to find Cubs fans. I am on my way to go see uh, the guy we call the Destin Legend, Leon Rogers, Blue Bled, Southside Cubs fan. When they released the people that were going to be on the field to present the rings to the Cubs, Leon found something very interesting. He saw some things missing. He voiced that opinion on his Facebook page. It kind of became a thing. As a Cubs fan, he felt a certain way about it. We figured he'd be a good person to start our day two off talking about it. All right. Uh, here with Leon Rogers. Um, Leon, radio host here in Chicago. Uh, but also an uh, extraordinary comedian. But more importantly for this podcast, he is one of the centerpieces to why we've been doing this podcast. You did a piece for ESPN Sports Center about the Cubs and their search for ring bearers. Yeah, 20 wing re- ring bearers that the Cubs were searching for. Right, right. And that came to fruition. And when they released the names, you were one of the first people to look at the list. And someone had an issue with it. And, and you bought it. You watch light, so explain that a little bit. So I went on. So, so of course I did a, a, a vignette for uh, ESPN about the Cubs picking twenty people to bring the rings to the players on the Chicago Cubs, and you had to be nominated, and the Cubs uh, organization had to pick you to be one of the ring bearers. And when they picked the twenty ring bearers, like I saw a whole bunch of names. I even saw a Nokomura, but I didn't see like a Johnson. Or, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, uh, uh, DAs, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and I, and I, and I, and I, I posted on Facebook. I said, "Yo, should I feel a certain way about this?" Because I did. Being a person of color, 
being an African-American that lives on the South Side and for years have pulled for the Cubs to win. I, I've been a Cubs fan. Yvonne DeJesus was the reason I wore number seven playing Little League Baseball because I was a Cubs fan. And Yvonne DeJesus, Leon Rogers, Hispanic, you know, African-American, I'm like, yo, I, I don't see any of us represented as being Cubs fan. Not to diss the Cubs because I love the Cubs and I love their organization. I love what they have done. But, you know, when you have players such as Sean Dunstan, Leon Durham, uh, Lee Smith, mm -hmm. you've had great African-American players, you know, or, or Hispanic players. For us to not to have any of the ring bearers represented by that culture, I felt a certain type of way about it. I'm not going to lie. Right. Give me a brief rundown of some of the crazy spirits you had to fight and go through owning yourself up as a cub dude living on the south side and being black. For example, I'm going to give you a spot that you know well of. It's been in existence for 50 years on the south side on 75th Street, Francis Lounge. Oh, Francis My good well. friend Marlon Mitchell yep. owns it. Yep. It's, it's named after his mother. It's mm -hmm. been on 75th Street for 50 years. We would sit and watch games in, but every time I would come in, it would always be Sox games on. Then when the Cubs started getting good, I was like, yo, man, Turn it to the Cubs games. And the year that they won the World Series, I literally was one of like two or three people sitting in there with Cubs hat on, watching the game, getting ridiculed by Sox fans. You're not going to do it. You guys suck. We walked around to the point where that dynamic, that South Side versus North Side thing, would get serious. Mm -hmm. Like people would start talking to you crazy, <laughs> like out of their body. And you have to be like, hold oh, on, no, man. I'm still Leon Rodgers that comes in here and spends money every week. So the tension was there. And people would say, like, no, it, it didn't get that serious. You all would get that serious to the point where you think you might have to draw, go to blows, hey, draw, yeah. go to blows over representing the Cubs. We know you're a huge Cubs fan, ride or die. Mm -hmm. Leaves is somebody you know that's bigger than you. Oh, it's got to be my man Joe to the soul to the toe, one of my mentors in radio, Joe Soto, huge Cubs fan, super Cubs fan. You it's Joe Soto. Joe. I bow down to Joe. Joe Soto is a DJ legend in Chicago. And thanks to Leon, we were able to track him down, and he was nice enough to come meet us at the station. What was it like, you know, being non-white, non-Northside Cubs fan for all these years? Well, you know, uh, when we were little kids, when 315 came, our job in April and May and June was to run home to catch the end of the Cubs game. We didn't see color. We just saw a great game. Cubs was our team, and, and no disrespect to the South Side, because at night we watched the White Sox, too, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Cubs, something about the Cubs, they were always on in my house. And it's, you know, Channel my Nine. mother, Channel 9, my mom would watch him. The old man would watch him. My old man, I remember one time, he was furious. It was on a Sunday, still lived at his house. I was about 20 years old or something. I, I, was, had, a, I had my baseball uniform on, and he was mad, you know, because to him, you got to do hard work. He said, mira, tu vas caminando por la casa con ese uniforme de baseball y vas a aparecer la misma vez cuando uh, tenga 40 años, meaning basically you're going to be walking around the, uh, you know, your kitchen or whatever at 40 years old wearing a baseball uniform, you know. He thought it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, he was right because I still walk around, walk around the house with a baseball <laughs> before I, I play a game. 
what was your first experience when you saw Reagan? It was against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, first time I saw Roberto Clemente. Um, the old uniforms with the black sleeves. You know, as I walked up those steps, I saw that green grass that on my TV was only black and white because I had a black and white TV. And I went up the steps and I saw the blue caps with the Red Sea. And everything was in color and it could smell hot dogs and people smoking cigars because you could still smoke in those years. Right. And cigarettes and peanuts and beer. You could smell the beer. You could, it was just like a carnival and, and you could hear the crack of the bat in batting practice. And, and it was real to me, man. I, I saw these guys and it was, and I go, wow, it's not black and white. It's yeah. color, you know, and it was Wrigley Field, and it was beautiful, and the vines, and I was there, and it smelled so good, and that, 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 and the Cubs won, nine to seven, and I'll never, that was my first day at Wrigley Field, and I've been back hundreds and hundreds of times since then, yeah. So... Just getting off the train at the Addison stop, coming down and entering the world of Wrigleyville. And one of the first stops you have to make when you get here is right off the, right off the, off the, off the tracks. Cubs merch. Got to go in and get Cubs merch. Anyone have an extra ticket? So my man, we call Joe Madden, because he played Joe Madden in the piece that we did for uh, the Cubs winning the World Series for Sports Center. Gave us a lead on a guy who just left his store with a goat. So he said he's walking down the street, so now we're about to go chase a man down who's walking around here with a goat in a Cubs jersey. Said he's the good luck goat, the goat that broke the curse. Gotta chase this one down. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, not a problem. Look at Papa. She's the world's gentlest goat. Look at Papa. Look. The man has a goat. The goat has on a white Cubs jersey. He's, people are petting the goat and taking pictures with the goat. Oh yeah, this is this is this is it. Okay, we've had a lot of uh, stories we run into, but a guy out here wriggling with an actual goat. That's on. Wait, a goat on a leash. I guess I guess you got leash laws for dogs. You got a leash law for goats. You don't want a goat running around here crazy, but. The goat has on the Cubs jersey and taking pictures with kids. This is, we might have found our guy. She works her tips with you, mean society folks. Anything you want to throw in the jug? Chance, get the jug out. Oh, yes, sir. Better again, go. You can get your picture with her. Anything you want to throw in there is appreciated. How long have you and Millie been together? Since she was born. She's eight years old now. World's luckiest goat. The world's luckiest goat. We brought her down here for all the series games, and that's why they won. We reversed the curse. How deep is your love for the Cubs for you to like you and Millie to take this ride together? We've been down here. We come for the games. Uh, we're traveling 200 miles to get here, and I'll be here sleeping in uh, Hilton with her, taking a little jacuzzi bath in the morning. <laughs> hey, Joe, do you think Millie knows what's going on? You know, we have her in the garage when we're drinking beer and watching the games at home, and uh, she seems to react to it all. I mean, with all the crowd and whatever, and she usually uh, has a few cigarette butts while we're sitting there enjoying it all. 
All right, so we're just leaving, really, the GOAT in the middle of Wrigley Field, but I have to find somewhere quiet because we got to catch Addie, the six-year-old, because she's out of school now, done with her homework. Hello, can I speak to Hope, please? This is she. Hey, Hope, how you doing? It's Scoop Jackson from ESPN. Hi, how are you? I'm great. You want to talk to Addie, right? Yes, yeah. ma'am. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to put her on with you. Here you go. Hello? How are you doing? Good. I heard you got into a little um, incident, a little fight at school because somebody, a White Sox fan, was teasing you for being a Cub? Yeah. Mm, can you explain what happened? So... My mom sent me, like, a Chris Bryant thing because um, I like Chris Bryant and uh, I'm in the home of baseball league and I'm his number. And my mom sent me a note and then uh, that boy threw it. He took it out of my lunch class and threw it in the water. Oh. But then he got in trouble. I have a feeling like 50 years from now, we're going to be probably hearing from Addie again, and she'll be talking about the eighth generation <laughs> Cub fan that happens to be her granddaughter. It is a half an hour before the Cubs receive the championship rings. We are walking down the street right outside of Wrigley Field. People are still going into the game. We're looking at the scoreboard, walking amongst all type of Cubs fans. Smaller bags, big bags, peanuts, and race water. Still walking, people are still in the streets. Cops are in a good mood. Temperature's dropping. It's starting to be Chicago weather. It started off nice, but in true Chicago, April opening season fashion, it's going to be in the 40s. After 35 hours on this chase, we sat and thought, you know, what would be the best way to end this, and where should we be, and who should we be with to watch the Cubs receive their rings? And, you know, we've interviewed a lot of great people over the time, but Anna has got to be the person of all the people we did this with, if we could be with anybody of any of the people we interviewed, if we could be with one person with them to watch the Cubs receive their rings, we figured it'd be Anna. So in true Cubs fashion, go to Murphy's Bar and watch it all unfold. Watching Anna watch the Cubs receive their rings is like watching a child in the midst of realizing their only dream in life was actually coming true. Theo for president. <laughs> yeah! There are others around her, all draped in some type of Cubs gear, but no one's eyes are magnetized to the TV screens as hers are. No one's eyes, besides hers, are glistening with water waiting to fall. The smile on her face as she watches player by player accept their rings is close to indescribable. Yes, yes! <laughs> so lovable. <laughs> Two years with the Cubs? You'd think he played 20 years with the Cubs. I look at the bartender who's looking back at me. We both look at Anna and shake our heads. 
wishing we knew what it actually would feel like to be her right now. It's kind of like closure, and now's like the next step. Joe said, like, the rings are great, and this is the moment for the players. Because mm-hmm. we've been thanking them, doing all the stuff, everything, but this is for them. This is their ring. Banners are for the fans. This is for them. So the emotions were just, like, being so happy for them having that moment right. of complete, this is it. Like, we designed these, Chris, and... You know, everyone that had input on it, mm. 108 Diamonds are gaudy as all get up, which they should be because right. 108 years should be. Drew, you should have something to show yeah. for that, right? <laughs> should be a, should be a house walking around on your finger. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> which exactly. is what it is. Yeah. But that's what ran through you, just the whole thought of what this meant to the players. Like, yes, you were there for the players. banners, so you saw, right, that's the team, that's the organization, that's the fans. But right. this was for them, and you felt that. 100%, yeah. So do you think this moment will change you as a fan? As a because fan it's closure, to the my ring. Core. Yeah, to your core, who you are. You like, you got the ring now. It's like the struggle has kind of ended. This is like you said. You you put it perfect. This is closure. Yeah. This is official. It's official now. Yeah. It's like getting married when the ring goes on and right. introduce man and wife. Your life changes right now. You right. all have got but the it ring. The man, the man, and, the man and wife thing is, you know, you're, you're married now, but and it changes you. Do you think now that you got the ring, are you gonna change as a fan? No. Okay. No. Deep, deep to the core now. Like, I'll fake things. I'll try to, like, care more about my career. And, like, I am going to be better about the family and friends. For sure. Because, but I was just so, like, wrapped up in it. Well, okay, I won't say for sure because I don't know what will happen in the moment because I want the dynasty. Like, I'm still greedy. Like, I still want, like, us to just run the table for the next, like, decade. But I give it seven years. But, like... I doesn't. I don't think it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It, it won't change me. But I've become more aware over like what happened 2015 postseason, okay. 2016. So when we see players, we talk about them losing their hunger. In your case, you're not gonna lose your passion. Never, never lose a passion. In the end, what we came out with is a better feel for who the true bleed blue Cub fan is, what he or she looks like, what their lives are like, the range of diversity that exists between them, the depth of passion that separates them, yet still allows them to honor one another. While most sports teams have worlds, the Cubs have proven to have a universe. One that, as you have heard, reflects the lifeline of an entire city and those ride-or-die individuals that represent it. Thank you to Scoop Jackson, Christine Newby, and all of the passionate, die-hard Cubs fans that shared their stories with us. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.